Welcome to the Abortion Recovery Network podcast. We are group leaders helping group leaders with abortion recovery ministry through informal and casual conversations. Your hosts are Linda Keener-Thomas, founder and board chair of the National Memorial for the Unborn, and Mindy Lefeshore, founder of An Even Place Virtual Abortion Recovery Ministry. As I began An Even Place in January 2022, I wanted to talk with other abortion recovery ministry leaders to share the vision I had and learn whatever I could about abortion recovery ministry. As I talked to some amazing women who I now call friends, I was surprised to learn they were as eager as I was to hear from other leaders. An idea was birthed to start a podcast of leaders, by leaders, for leaders, from all over to share experiences, ideas, challenges, joys, and learn from one another while doing your laundry, cooking your dinner, or driving in your car. Linda and I met the fall of 2022. I shared this idea with her and she jumped on board. Our desire is to allow you to enter our conversations with other abortion recovery leaders, learn the nuts and bolts of how they lead their groups, and connect with one another to build a strong network of leaders helping leaders reach the millions suffering with an abortion experience. Hello, Sylvia. Hey, Mindy, how are you? Good. Hi, Linda. Hello, hello. Back again, back again. And today we're going to talk about um, the leadership lessons of Jesus by Bob Briner and Ray Pritchard. And we're going to talk about chapter 59, the freedom to fail. The scripture is Mark 918. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. So before we get into our discussion, I'm just going to um, give Sylvia a minute to tell us a little bit about her and what she does. So, hey, everybody, this is Sylvia Blakely with the Rise Daughter. And we are a post-abortion mentoring ministry designed to help women and men heal, train, and serve in the kingdom of God. And all of that came about because of my healing and how God chose to use me after I went through uh, Forgiven and Set Free. But that wasn't until 40 years after my abortion. So to say I am an Israelite in the truest sense, I think you could, you could agree <laughs> with that. Um, but, but thank you, God, that he, you know, showed up in the form of an organization called Healing Grace here in Tampa, and they took my call and they walked, um, with Holy Spirit with me through this nine week grueling course <laughs> that I would recommend to anybody who has yet to heal. Um, and there are so many other courses out there, but Forgiven and Set Free truly did that for me and then released me to, um, start Arise Daughter. So I am happy to be here today to talk about something I know quite a bit about. In three and a half years of, of uh, running a Rise Daughter, I know quite a bit about failure. So let's talk about that. <laughs> ah, yay. <laughs> well, before we start, Sylvia, um, we talk, I've heard you say a little bit before in a different episode about um, art unlocking mm -hmm. trauma. And so I was just wondering if you could share a story of someone and just how that developed in somebody's life that art unlock some trauma. Hmm. So we get an opportunity to um, work either one-on-one -on -one or in small groups with, with mostly women so far who are willing to take on this, this challenge of interpreting their pain through art. And we just had a beautiful session this past Thursday where we looked at the theme of icebergs. And, um, you know, so the leader of our, of our group, 
uh, gave us some fun facts about icebergs. And then we all were just told to take markers and, and do our best at drawing what we thought our, our particular iceberg looked like. And I can share my own story probably better than I can share anyone else's. Um, the iceberg for me um, came as I realized that my uh, aborted daughter was the exact same age as one of my nieces. And I had just seen her uh, at a family gathering and it had not ever occurred to me. I had never connected those dots. And so through art, I happen to be a photographer, I took a picture I'm doing this series on how to restore dignity to our unborn. And I happened to pose a fetal model with my niece. And that opened up my iceberg story. So when I went to draw in color, that's when God revealed to me all of the connections that I had been missing all those years. And so it set my iceberg adrift. And I, I you know, it was, it was disquieting for a day or two until I realized what, what work God was doing with that. Um, you know, there's a story that we all can tell. And sometimes we don't know what that story is until we take pen and put it to paper or pick up a camera or write a poem. And so in my own healing, um, art has been an extremely powerful tool to help me open up areas and channels that my logical mind just doesn't want to look at. And I'm grateful to God for that, that, you know, through different forms of art that he can help me see new new truths and new realities that are helping me heal yet now. So what did you see when you did this iceberg thing? So I saw that um, I had been hiding away uh, a lot of the, the tension and the pull in my family. You know, they all, they pretty much all know what I do now in terms of my ministry, but this happened to be um, a project that I was kind of doing surreptitiously. I wasn't necessarily telling everybody what I was doing in terms of this photography project. But when I gave the fetal model to my niece, she immediately got she immediately got the assignment. I don't know how else to put it. I didn't tell her what I was doing with the models. I didn't tell her I had a whole series of photographs. I just gave it to her and I posted it with her and she immediately got it. And that showed me, you know, the things that we sometimes hide, that 90% under the water, it's not necessary. People who love us will get us and understand our struggles. Mm. And because sometimes we, especially as leaders, try to keep it all together, we only want to show that 10% that's glossy and shiny and white and pretty. And we don't want to look at the dark part that's underneath the water. Mm. We don't allow ourselves the opportunity to connect deeper with even people around us, people close to us when it comes to our abortion trauma and our healing. That's what that showed me, that it's okay to connect. Oh. How she that's, got it, I don't know, but that was a God thing. That's powerful. Thank you for sharing that yeah. with us. You're welcome. All right, if you wanna connect with um, Sylvia, you could do so at arisedaughter.org or arisedaughter at gmail.com or ariseartist.com. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Okay, that I got it right. My memory is serving me. <laughs> All right. Well, today we're looking at the freedom to fail. Um, and like you have done more failing than succeeding. So I'm going to enjoy the talk on this chapter, to be very honest with you. And it tells us in the very first paragraph of this chapter, good leaders recognize the importance of giving their followers a chance to fail sometimes, knowing that failure is generally a much better teacher than success. Now, I think that I'm going to talk about failure from my point of view, but I do 
love that we're going to talk about failure from taking from a hands-off approach and letting other people do things that might not work out. Right. This is hard. It's hard in my marriage. It's hard in when I was raising my daughter, it's hard now as she's an adult, you know, it's hard. It's hard with your grown or when you're grown and you have parents that are aging, you know, this is hard in every aspect of life, but even in ministry. So how does failure teach better than success? Linda, did you want to jump into that one? <laughs> how does it teach better than success? Um, when everything's easy. Well, this is true of, of, of us in our lives. It's often God does the deepest work in our lives when things are going wrong, right? It, it, it has our attention. Um, when everything's going really hunky-dory, um, we're just going along, not not really digging, not really thinking. It's just, um, but when it falls apart, it causes us to stop and reevaluate, to try new things, to um, reach out to others to help us. So I think all of those things are kind of factors with failure is, is when it, it's, when it all falls apart, it's like, okay, God, now help me. <laughs> you know, it draws yeah. our eyes up to him and we become dependent on him to, to see what's wrong. Mm, that's really good. Okay. Enough said, just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was thinking of a, a biblical example that kind of came to my mind was Mark uh, 9, 29. And it's the story of when Jesus tells the disciples how to remove an unclean spirit that, you know, they had just had all of the success in removing all of these other spirits and came back and they were, pretty, you know, and then Jesus comes down from the transfiguration with his type three. And uh, he finds them in this dispute with these scribes and, and they're basically trying to defend themselves because one of them is saying, you know, one of the scribes is saying, you couldn't even pull this unclean spirit out of my son. What, what's going on with you guys? To Holy Ghost paraphrase. And uh, so, <laughs> so- Sylvia you know, so, 101. <laughs> so, so, so that had so that, to take Jesus, you know, that took Jesus into a deeper conversation with his, mm -hmm. with his disciples, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. Mm -hmm. There, there's a, there's another technique. <laughs> Just when you thought you'd failed, let me show you one other thing. And, mm -hmm. and he had been fasting and praying on the mountain, right? And he comes down and says, some of these things can only be removed through prayer and fasting. And I'm sure they stood there like, oh, and then they watched him remove this, this evil spirit. Sometimes it takes us to fail before, as Linda said, we come back to the learning table to pick mm -hmm. up something else new that we need to um because we think we know it all we think we've got it all and we think we can answer it all mm -hmm. and mm -mm, we always are dependent on jesus we are always having to go to the cross for more answers because we don't know it all and, and in reality we, we do go ahead <laughs> it's all right well as i say in reality we live in a fallen world and we're in fallen we're in this flesh that is fallen that is still need to be redeemed and will be redeemed when we go see jesus and so it's so prideful for, for us, for me to think that I should never fail. First of all, I think it's unrealistic to think that we should never make a mistake and never fail. And yet somehow I have at least over, um, many years of my life, maybe not the last few, but put myself up on this pedestal to think that if I fail, there's something wrong with me. Well, I've already failed at that point. 
if I can't fail, right? So how do we fail with grace? Oh, admitting it. Yeah. yeah, admitting, being willing to admit it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and I think, you know, we fail when we admit that we weren't obedient sometimes too, you know, and I think admitting that we, we were in our own will and not in the will of God. It, I think that's a huge part of it as well. Um, you know, we, what is success and what is failure? And I'm sure you're going to get into that in a little bit as well, Mindy. But um, for me, failure is not being obedient. I don't, it doesn't matter to me sometimes what it looks like to the world, because I know the world doesn't know the full story of what God has asked me to do. But I know I fail when something could even look like a success, but I know if I didn't do it God's way, it's a failure. Mm. So I think it's also how you're, you know, how you're interpreting what a failure and a success is. Because looking at it through man's eyes is not how God sees it. And boy, fear of failure can totally cripple cripple us. I know when I was in grad school, I had um, I was on a scholarship, so I had to keep my grades up to a certain level, you know. And I had one professor that came to me and said, Linda, what would you do different about this project if you knew I was going to give you an A, that there was no failure involved? And it just opened up my mind to all kinds of interesting things that I could try that may be a little bit more risky. But once that fear of failure was removed, mm -hmm. it let me step out into some new things that I would have been afraid to try. And I think that's probably true of some of our ministries is, is we're so f afraid of failing that maybe we don't really dream as big as God wants us to dream. Wow. That's really good. That was a good picture. And you know, that, that actually leads into my last, my next question. So what would you say to the leader who micromanages her team because she fears failure? How is she actually hurting them more than helping them? I mean, I think about Linda, what you just said in this sense, your leader was your teacher, or your professor, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. allowing you, giving you permission to go out and try something at the risk of failure. He wasn't, or she wasn't coming to you saying, if you could have success in everything you do, she was just saying, if you knew you'd get an A, what would you try to do? And I love that because that does give us permission to think outside the box. And, you know, and so for the leader who's micromanaging her team, because she feels fears failure, whose failure does she really fear? Exactly. Mm. And again, I think it's back to how we're defining success and failure. Hmm. Um, you know, if if she if she has more of a fear of failure than a fear of following God's call, then that's going to be a problem, right? Because yeah, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. So to me, I'll I start there. You know, what what is it he's asking me to do that, like you just said, if 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 I get an A, no matter what, <laughs> what would I be willing to do? Well, sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it's what if you came up across every bit of opposition possible? What are you still willing to do? Hmm. Because that's the world we live in, right? We have to start with nobody might like this. Everybody might think it's crazy. Nobody might get this. But am I still willing to do it? 
And yeah. so to me, it's a trust issue with your team. You know, if God has entrusted you with a vision and he's entrusted you with the people around you and you're listening to his promptings about who's best at doing what or who might learn from a failure. Oh, I had that happen. You know, who might learn most from this failure if you allowed her to fail? Because it's not always you're going to step across roses to get to the finish line. Sometimes you're going to have to walk across thorns to get to where God is taking you. you and know, so sometimes, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm just thinking um, if we feel fa fear of failure so much that we're micromanaging what everybody is doing on the team, is it that we really feel fear their mistakes or is it that we are taking on failure as an identity? Does it become something of who we are? Does it reflect us and our character because there's failure on the team? Could that be a reason why a leader might be afraid to let their team go forward? I mean, the quote is failure is not a person. It's an event. Hmm. And, you know, in our lives, even before Christ, I know I could say this, there was, my life was a great big failure. I mean, I was making all kinds of decisions that were so poor and so bad. So from a practical standpoint, I was just a big failure in life, but I took that on as an identity, you know, and, and to go even back further, because this goes a little bit beyond the conversation, what we're talking about, but the other people's failures against me, abuses, neglect, abandonment, those things, other things against me. I took on as an identity. They have, I took their failures on myself. And these are behavior traits that we learn. So we're working with women and I'm not a psychologist. I just, by experience, I know that's what I've done. And I know other people do it. And we're working with hurting people. Most women in this space have been hurt by abortion and other things, right? Other mm -hmm. than abortion. And so our identity comes into play when we feel fear of failure. I believe. Tell me what you think. I, I agree. I feel like one of the most important parts of, of, of our healing um, journey and as we, you know, help other women heal is this transformative um, life of Christ. You know, when we are seeing through his lens, when we are, when we are living through him, as the word says, then we get to take off of that shameful, you know, identity that we carried all this time. That's why I think part of our healing, you know, has to be this journey through, how do I get to know this Lord and Savior who, who came and died for me to, to be able to have a new identity? Mm. You know, that has to be such a powerful part of, of what we offer women because you're right. If if you if you're not looking through the blood of Jesus, you know the way God is seeing us, you will always see yourself as broken and a failure. But when we are when we are allowed to to accept Christ in our lives and transform how we see ourselves, then we get to stand in a different place. And so again, we're not judging failure the way man judges failure. For Christ, I'm just imagining people around Christ going, you know, well, we have to imagine it's in the word. You know, people are saying, get down off the cross. If you're if you're the son of God, get yes. down off the cross. Yes. So for them, he was a failure because he didn't get down off the cross that day. Mm -hmm. But, but like, his, oh, his yeah, success was, 
his success was following the will of his father, regardless of what anybody else thought. Yes. So I'm trying to p- picture what failure looks like in our particular ministries. And uh, one example that comes to my mind is, is a gal that came through group um, that left halfway through and uh, went around and, and uh, was very critical of how we were doing group and um, that we weren't professional counselors and da 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 and kind of passing it around the church and and um so that was a failure, but it wasn't. It could um, be perceived as. It, it could be perceived as. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love what Sylvia is saying. How do we perceive failure? Um, mm-hmm. If we're obeying Christ, is it ever failure? You know, even things don't work out. We, we recently tried to do a, a monthly ongoing support for those that have been through group and nobody showed up. For six months, nobody showed up, <laughs> you know, so we stopped doing it, you know, so it was a failure, but that's all right. We tried and we'll try doing something different next time. Well, and I think that's, that's what, so I like to read John Maxwell's books. I think he has a lot of good wisdom, but he says in there, his, his cycle of success is this first you test it or execute your plan. Then you fail and you fail quickly. Then you learn the value of failure is when you learn new things and then you improve, you take what you learn and you apply it. And then you re-enter. you take what you've learned, try again and repeat the process. Test, fail, learn, improve, re-enter. And so like you're saying with your support mm-hmm. group, okay, so you test it. It didn't work. You saw where the, the weak points were, the gaps, the failure. So you go back and you learn, you reevaluate, you improve it and you go back and you try again. The only time we fail, according to him, because I'm not the expert, is if we don't ever try again. Right. We quit. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, we could also be working for a board or a pregnancy who has a board who could be expecting, uh, have this high expectation that's impossible to meet, you know, and then what? Because now we've got these leaders that are putting this pressure on, you know, to do something that you know, it's not going to be perfect. We, we can't expect perfection, but we can expect excellence, right? What's the difference? Does excellence make mistakes? Does excellence have a failure rate? I think success does. So why wouldn't excellence? So if we're seeking excellence and we fail, can't we learn, improve, and re-enter at a more excellent level? Fail, improve, re-enter at a more excellent level? And, um, and just keep that cycle. I mean, wouldn't excellence be the, a point in that cycle of improvement? Because even if we do something well, say something just went off and there was no hitch. I mean, how often does that happen? We had a fundraising banquet or we had a, we had a group go and there was no hitch. Everybody, everybody went through our groups. Well, we had a full year without any, any problems with the ladies or whatever. Certainly there's room for improvement, isn't there? I mean, should we just rest on our loyal laurels and just keep repeating everything that we did? Or should we look to improve? I don't know. I'm just, I'm throwing this out there at you. I'm processing my mind and I'm thinking out loud and letting you guys, letting it bounce off of you. So take it away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we don't have a board, so I can't answer that question about expectations of people above us. But of course, you know, I'm talking about the expectations of the Lord and Savior that I serve. That's, that's, sure. that's my board. 
<laughs> and I and I have to stay true to what he's asking me to do, um, regardless again of what I think the outcome should be. Um, and I'll give you an example. We had um, our very first gallery show last year in Columbus, Ohio, and and we came from five different states uh, to convene. The team did, and we brought uh, art, and we brought you know um, all these different modalities. We just wanted it to be a beautiful afternoon. It was held at a church, uh, a fairly large church, that um, we began to see that they didn't really support what we were doing, um, mm -hmm. only because I think it was scary and it was new. And 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 as a young pastor, and he, he was just like, I don't know about this. But anyway, so not too long before the event, the Lord gave me this word for the team, and it was, would you go hard for the one? And I thought, well, I don't know what that means, Lord, because, you know, we're expecting like 100, 300 people. We don't know. What, well, who's that one? We'll look for. And he was like, no, would you go hard for the one? So I brought that as a devotion to the team. And we all thought about it. We chewed on it. We had been fasting and praying for 30 days before the event. We set up beautiful afternoon. And we had six people. So, and, you know, we we rented this Airbnb and we were all together and we were, you know, able to fellowship and all this stuff. And so afterwards at, at, at the end of the, of the day, we all pro processed how that day went for us. Of those six people, three got prophesied over, two had um, prayers spoken in tongues over them. Uh, one was a man who broke down about his own abortion experience. Um, one was a young lady who was starting her own ministry in post-abortion healing and, and needed that, that, that Titus, you know, two women kind of experience to lift her up about how to go next. And so we, we looked at it truly how God saw it. Hmm. These individuals who were in the right place at the right time to receive what it is he had prepared us to give. If we had had a board, maybe it might've been about the numbers, but for us, it was about, we came with everything he asked us mm. to come with for those six people. That's, wow. that was a success. I'll, you know, I will carry that one with me and proudly share. Um, so again, to me, what is success and what is failure? Yeah. If we're not changed, if we're not using God's metrics, we're going to be measuring wrong. I feel like. Yeah. Good. I love that story. I've heard you say that so many times and I just love it. And you're right. You do keep going back to it. And we do measure failure different in this world than I think God measures failure and success. And it's easy to put a dollar sign in front of it too. When you get down to having to raise money for donors, you know, that's the reality of, of where a lot of us are in ministry. Um, that it's easy to, to measure it with that. And, and that's not where it is. God will provide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Winston Churchill says success is going from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. <laughs> How many of us like to fail over and over and over? <laughs> I mean, I think of um, Benjamin Franklin. What did he try the light bulb? What was that 2000 times before he got a success? And they said, what did they, his response was, um, oh gosh, I wish I would have, this is just coming to me and that's why I'm not prepared. But his response was something like, um, I, I learned like 2000 ways not to do it. You know, it was not that I failed 2000 times. I just learned how not to do it. Whatever that was. 
failure is humbling and it creates dependence on God and others. And we talked about that earlier. And I, you know, you brought that up so beautifully in the very, very beginning, Linda, you said failure gets our attention. It causes us to stop and reevaluate, to try new things, to reach out to others for help. And it draws our eyes up to him. And, um, and it does. And so failure is actually a beautiful thing. If we can view it, like Sylvia was saying through the lens, through God's lens, instead of our own. And instead of, I would say expectation, having Jesus's expectation and seeking it before we get to uh, doing whatever we're doing. Right. So uh, we can expect to have all of our groups filled, you know, to have them filled to the full with people. But what if they're only filled with one person or two people, two people, is that enough? Have we, mm-hmm. have we answered the call? If that person gets healed, are we successful? That one person, you know, why would we not do a, do a one-on-one for somebody just because others don't join in and there's power in a group, but the power's in the word, you know, right. Mm-hmm. So maybe we need to redefine success in our own lives, in our first, in our own heart, in our own ministry, and, uh, and really just do that, do that through prayer with the Lord. Mm, that's powerful. It is. There's another little quote that has stuck with me through the years that I really like is if, and I don't, I don't know who to credit it with, but if I do something poorly, and inspire someone else to do it better. I have succeeded. Ooh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Not that, that I'm tr- not that I'm trying to to do it poorly, but if I fail and somebody says, "Oh, I could do that better," and then they go on and succeed, uh, that I have I have been successful in inspiring somebody else to do it. Mm. Uh, like I had a gal years and years ago that went through uh, our Bible study and she went on to write her own Bible study and found her own ministry, you know, mm. and that, you know, maybe I didn't do it perfect. And that inspired her to do what she did to go on and do it differently. And then God bless that, you know, what a success. Yeah. Um, that, that I've inspired somebody else to do it even better. Yeah. That's good. Thank you for sharing that. I love that quote. Did you say it or did somebody else say it? I, I don't know where I picked that up years ago, but it has stuck <laughs> with me through the years and it gives freedom that, you know, like you said at the very beginning of the session, you know, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to succeed that we do have that freedom to fail and that God, God can redeem that and use that too. Yeah. Say that quote one more time for us, Linda. If I do something poorly and inspire someone else to do it better, I have succeeded. Beautiful. Something like that. I don't know. Different words each time, but that's the idea. Beautiful. Well, it says on the top of page 174, and sometimes we must let our people fall on their face in front of many people, which by implication will probably embarrass us as well, which gets to (laughs) another root of the fear of failure is embarrassment, personal embarrassment back to that identity. Yeah. You want leaders who can reproduce themselves and other people, which means having the confidence to take decisive action, even at the risk of occasional failure. And that's going back to finding people to be, to raise up underneath us that we talked about in a different session. You know, it's all connected. It really is all connected. If we are constantly successful and we're not helping other people be successful and maybe even more successful, how can we raise up somebody? to take 
what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? If we're the, always the most successful person in the room and we're not trying to raise somebody up to be more successful or, you know, how, how can we ever leave the ministry? <laughs> because it becomes centered on us. Yeah. Which is a, is a big danger. Um, I feel like you have to inspire risk-taking and I think that is part of the process. You know, you said earlier, we have to expect to fail. And how many times in our Western culture that that is not, that's not an acceptable viewpoint. Hmm. You know, uh, everybody's a winner. Well, no, <laughs> sometimes, you know, things don't come out the way they were intended to necessarily, but that doesn't mean you don't take the risk to do it. And I think that's where, again, that leadership comes to the forefront you know, that you're inspiring and encouraging your team to take risks and that they get to see the outcome in you, you know, and, and more importantly, how you handle it. Mm. You know, what is it, what is it that you respond with? You know, did you respond with humility or do you respond with, you know, um, anger? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, they watch what you do. They listen to what you say, but they really watch what you do and how you respond. And that's a powerful, powerful teaching tool. And I guess you need to build in then an evaluation system after you've given somebody something to do mm -hmm. um, to be very intentional in going back and helping them evaluate that and to give them positive feedback. And I think of, again, the, we've talked about earlier, the disciples being sent out two by two mm -hmm. and then Jesus brought them back in and gave them room to have that discussion about how it went. And he gave them some teaching out of that as well. Um, so being very intentional when we do delegate something um, to provide that space to, to do the evaluation and, and give them that encouragement, um, even if it was a failure, what can we learn from this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how yeah. does failure allow your team to grow and grow together as a team? Well, one of the things I think uh, that contributes to it is um, allowing the gifts in the room to come forward. You know, you're, you're going to have some people in your team that are going to have the gift of encouragement. Um, and so who else better to unleash upon someone who feels like they failed is that person who has that gift of encouragement. Mm -hmm. You know, that activates the gift in them. So it allows your team to um, showcase all of, the, all of its talents. You know, and they're not all going to be the same. Um, and I think that is really important that we get a chance to allow the ministers and the team to minister to that person who may feel like they failed. That's really, really important. Um, and, and in the end, everybody gets to exercise their compassion bone, right? Because we've all been there. And if we haven't been there yet, we will. Um, I have one team member who she took the mantle and she went to a new church and she held us, held uh, an art show. And um, she wasn't exactly pleased with how things went, but we all rallied around her. The thing was, she did what God asked her to do. And in the end, again, that was the success that she took a risk. She created a contact. She made a space. He made a way for her to be there and she executed and I think sometimes that's God testing our faith as well. You know, are you are we willing to go that extra to do what he's asking us to do, regardless of what the outcome is? 
Yeah. And I really like the, what you brought forward is just allowing the team to minister to the team. And so instead of getting together and just pounding on each other, oh, you did this wrong, you know, instead getting together and allowing each other to express, oh, this went really well. Actually this portion, because not everything is a complete failure. There might, might overall have failed, but there might've been some really good successful things in it that need to be brought out. And I think that would be so valuable to be able to see how things actually went well and then how things could be improved, you know, because we tend to want to focus on the things that need to be improved without celebrating the things that went really well, Hmm. you know, and we tend to, we tend to think that the things that need to be improved bear more weight than the things that went really well. And it might not be the case if we don't take the time to really evaluate properly. Uh, That's good. It's good, good discussion. Well, ladies, we are done for the day and, um, it's been such good conversation. Sylvia, I'm always glad to have you, Linda, and I always enjoy your conversation. So, um, all right. Well, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bless you.